0: Settle down, all be clear. And it is another week. This is Andrew Wood, Executive Director of Hope Resource Center. Thank you so much for tuning in, whether that be live over at Joy620 or you're listening to the podcast at InvestingHope.com or Podbean or Google Play or iTunes. Wherever podcasts are found, Spotify, you can find it there. As well, you can tell Alexa, uh, you can tell her to play it too. So uh, we are excited to be here and to be talking to you. Uh, want to give you an update. Last week, uh, I went down to Alabama, uh, and spoke at a pregnancy center banquet there in Calhoun County. Uh, Save a Life is an organization down there that's doing great work and, uh, and serving, uh, the people in that community and, uh, hats off to them. A great event all the way around. Enjoyed my time there. Enjoyed, uh, speaking with uh, the partners of that organization speaking with the staff and volunteers of that organization and just, uh, a great time, uh, to be there and, and excited for what God is doing, uh, through the, their work. And they raised a lot of money and, uh, just was honored to be a part of it and, and to help in any way I could. So a good time was had by all. The food was good. They had brisket at this banquet and it was amazing. So, uh, really enjoyed myself and the drive down there is absolutely gorgeous. and so highly recommend it if you ever get a chance. Uh, fun time. So uh, today we're going to talk about a number of things that are happening around the country. One of those, obviously, I've talked about Texas quite a bit over the last uh, few weeks, and that's because Texas continues to be in the news with their uh, the law that they passed uh, a month or so ago. And so more news coming out about that. We're going to look at uh, a number of different topics. Uh, We'll also uh, talk about what's going on in Kentucky as they, uh, the legislator, the lawmakers there, uh, the lawmakers are previewing some abortion bills that's coming up. We're going to look at a number of things that are happening around the country and, of course, here in uh, the state of Tennessee as well. So uh, let's start with uh, some news out of Texas. The U.S. Supreme Court on Friday, last Friday, declined for the second time to immediately block Texas' six-week abortion ban but said it will hear two separate challenges to the law from the Biden administration and Texas abortion providers on November 1st. So what's happening in Texas is a law was passed, and the Biden administration is the one taking them to court. So interesting uh, thing playing out there where it's not – usually it's the abortion lobby. Now, I guess technically you could say the Biden administration is certainly part of the abortion lobby, but uh, but they're going to take them to court. The high court will not examine the question of whether the Texas law, known as Senate Bill 8, violates the constitutional right to abortion established in Roe v. Wade. Rather, it will consider the legality of the law's unusual private enforcement mechanism and whether the Department of Justice and abortion providers can sue to challenge the law. So just to kind of give you a quick rundown and update, the law in Texas allows for citizens to sue if abortions are performed uh, and, and so it, it's a different mechanism as we've talked on here before. It's a creative piece of legislation and we haven't seen it, uh, before. And so they're trying to figure out what to do. Uh, the abortion lobby, are trying to figure out what to do, but, but ultimately right now, what we're seeing is hundred to 150 babies a day are being saved because of this law. The course decision could have far reaching this. This is an article over at time magazine, uh, the court's decision could have far-reaching implications for other civil rights protections across the country. Typically, a person wanting to challenge a law's constitutionality would sue state officials for enforcing the law, but Senate Bill 8 was specifically designed to make this hard to do. The law prevents Texas officials from enforcing it and instead allows any private individual to do so by filling, filing a lawsuit against anyone who provides abortions beyond when fetal cardiac activity. There's that language fetal cardiac activity. They're not saying heartbeat because heartbeat would humanize the baby and they don't want to humanize it. They want you to think that it's just a blob, just this random thing that's happening with fetal activity, heart, cardiac activity. We're not going to use the word heart because that humanizes it. So they've, they've all got the narrative down, right? So you're going to see this in article after article where they're going to say things like fetal cardiac activity, which is a heartbeat is detected or against anyone who aids and abets someone in obtaining the procedure. Legal scholars warn that the enforcement mechanism, if held up by the court, could be used to target other civil rights across the ideological spectrum, including gun ownership or same-sex marriage. Now, notice they said legal scholars. Now, what they don't say is these legal scholars are abortion supporters. So they lean left. Now they could easily quote legal scholars that are conservative, that are originalist, that would say this law is okay but they're not going to quote those legal scholars because those legal scholars disagree with them. So this is what we do. This is what both sides do. We quote experts that agree with us not experts that disagree with us. The experts that disagree with us are quacks. The experts that agree with us are are world-renowned and we need to listen to them. I will note though Still, over 80% of OBs in this country do not perform abortions. That should get more, uh, more focused than it, than it does. If abortion was all well and good, then how come 80 plus percent of OBs don't perform them? Crickets. That's, that's right, because we don't hear from them. Numerous advocacy groups have filed uh, amicus briefs urging the Supreme Court to strike down what they argue is a blatant attempt to delay or completely evade judicial review. A brief filed by the gun rights group Firearms Policy Coalition, for example, argues the case is important not because of its specific subject matter of abortion, but instead for Texas's cavalier and cont- contemptuous mechanism for shielding from review potential violations of constitutional rights. Texas abortion providers and the Justice Department have separately challenged the law, with both asking the Supreme Court to consider their cases after each were dealt blows by the Fifth Circuit Court of Appeals. If the Supreme Court rules that DOJ and abortion providers cannot challenge the Texas law, the outcome would be, quote, earth-shaking, end quote, says Mary Ziegler, a Florida State University law professor and author of abortion and the law in America. Quote, if there's no way to challenge Senate Bill 8-style laws, then there's no reason for other states not to try to use a similar model, end quote. Yeah, that's how politics work. Like, of course. Of course that's how politics work. You know, there was a time where states said marriage is between one man and one woman, and the Supreme Court took up that case, and the Supreme Court said no marriage can be between anyone. And so there was a time when there was folks saying... We just need to put it to the vote in order to define what marriage is. If we put it to vote and we let the people speak, then the people will say what we want. And then they put it to vote in California and guess what? The people said marriage is between one man and one woman. Well, that wasn't the answer they wanted. So they took it to the courts and the courts gave them what they wanted. And they were told, and we were told, oh, the, the Supreme Court, that's where it needs to go. That's the amazing thing. Supreme Court's the best thing ever. Yet, if the Supreme Court overturns Roe, they're going to be told, oh, we're going to be told, oh, the Supreme Court's, uh, they have an agenda. They're right wing. They're all po- po- political folks. You see how this plays out? And, and then it's interesting that that a Florida State University law professor who wrote the book Abortion and the Law in America, I wonder where that professor leans. you think they lean left or right? you think they're an originalist? Of course not. But she said the outcome would be earth-shaking. See, it's all about fear-mongering. It's all about getting you worked up. It's all about trying to get the abortion lobby worked up. It's all about trying to get folks to see that that this law in Texas is an attack on women's rights. It's not. It's not. It's a law to protect babies. Now you can call it cardiac activity. You can call it a blob of cells. You can call it a, uh, you know, just a clump of, of tissue. You can call it whatever you want. But at one point in time in my life, I was a, what they would call a blob of cells. At one point in time in my life, I had cardiac activity. And guess what? If you're hearing my voice right now, you had the same. And now, you're a living, breathing human. Are you more or less human today than you were in the womb? Let's be honest, folks. Are you more or less human today? Is your DNA different today? Is your heart different today? Is your blood type different today? Is your eye colors different today? Are your organs different today? Is your fingerprint different today? No, no, it's not. Because you were just as much human in the womb as you are today, no matter how old you are. Florida has already introduced a bill modeled on Senate Bill 8 in its legislature, and Republican lawmakers in other states, including Arkansas, Missouri, South Dakota, and Indiana have said they plan to do so too. Of course they are. This is how politics works. They act like they're surprised. If the abortion lobby passes a law allowing abortion all the way through nine months of pregnancy and it goes through, you better believe other blue states are going to do the same thing. That is how this works. That's how politics have always worked. A law is passed in one state, it passes, it gets signed by the governor, the courts say it's okay. Then another state goes, okay, that's the path we're going. Of course, states are watching each other to see what works and what doesn't work, to see what gets held up in the courts and what gets blocked in the courts. That is how politics work. So writing this and acting as if, how, I can't believe these other states are modeling their legislation after Texas's legislation. Well, what do you think they're going to do? Of course they're going to model it after them. And it's offensive to me that, that you act as if you're surprised. You're not surprised. You knew this would happen. But we got to write that, oh, I can't believe that Arkansas and Missouri and South Dakota and Indiana are, are already modeling legislation. What are we going to do? What are we going to do if we can't have more abortions? Oh, let's wring our hands. We need more and more and more abortions. What are we going to do? It still baffles me that there are people in our country that get so worked up and bent out of shape over laws that are simply designed to to save lives. It baffles me. The November 1st hearing also makes the coming months an even more pivotal moment for abortion in the U.S. The court is already set to hear another abortion case on December one. That's Dobbs versus Jackson Women's Health Organization, in which the justices will review a Mississippi law that bans most abortions after 15 weeks. Abortion opponents uh, hope that case will overturn Roe, while the Texas case is unlikely to strike directly at Roe. It will provide insight into how the Supreme Court is thinking about the topic and could have implications for how the courts handle abortion laws across the country. Even if Senate Bill 8 is ultimately declared unconstitutional, the risky process of challenging it has created a chilling effect, said Scott Anderson, senior editor of Lawfare and a visiting fellow in governance studies in the Brookings Institute. Texas officials have said that in order to challenge the constitutionality of Senate Bill 8, someone must first take on the risk of providing abortions beyond what the law allows, get sued, and then challenge that lawsuit. Quote, realistically, a lot of providers might not be willing to undertake that sort of risk, end quote, Anderson explains. If other states follow that model, they could potentially enact their own laws that in the short term to medium term infringe upon constitutional rights precisely because they can't be subject to judicial review. Even if in the long run, those statutes are ultimately invalidated. Until the Supreme Court weighs in on Senate Bill 8, will remain in effect in Texas, severely limiting abortion access for millions of people. Justice uh, Sotomayor was the only member of the court to dissent from her colleague's decision to leave the law in place on Friday. She said there are women in Texas who became pregnant on or around the day that Senate Bill 8 took effect. Women seeking abortion care in Texas are entitled to relief from this court now. Because of the court's failure to act today, that relief, if it comes, will be too late for many. Again, just fighting for the right to end life. Abortion providers initially tried to challenge the law before it went into effect on September 1 by suing a collection of state judges, clerks, officials, and anti-abortion activists. But the Supreme Court refused to block the law, citing complex and novel procedural obstacles and saying it was not clear the providers had sued the right people. And so it goes on and on and on. And, And what's happening is the abortion lobby doesn't know what to do. They don't know how to handle this. The courts look different. Not just the Supreme Court, but federal courts across the country look different. And now they're seeing the writing on the wall that Roe is much closer to being ended than ever before. But here's the thing. If it's ended, it just goes back to the states. So in New York and California and Illinois, you'll be able to get all the abortions you want. And in red states like Tennessee, Texas, South Dakota, you won't be able to get abortions. That's what will happen. We'll be back. You know, as we as we continue and look at the the court conversation, you know, it's interesting what we do and what we allow uh, ourselves to believe and what we justify. When when states go all in on abortion, they're they're lifted up on a pedestal as the, uh, the, the, most progressive, the, the, the most, um, clear-minded group of people. And when conservative states enact laws that would restrict abortion, they're, oh, they're, they're backward. They're wanting to, you know, as Joe Biden said years ago, they wanting to put you back in chains. They're, uh, they're oppressive. You know, and, and so we're, we're at this weird place where the vast majority of the populace d- d- do not want to see abortion on demand for any reason all the way up to nine months. They don't. Poll after poll shows that. So just as the folks in Texas got creative with this law, you'll see the abortion lobby and and their media supporters get creative with the way they talk about it. So when they talk about abortion proponents, they call them pro-choice. Look, they're just for choice. Who's not for choice, right? And so when they when they say pro-choice, then that may put some of us in the camp because, well, I'm pro-choice. You, you may say you're pro-choice when it comes to vaccines. You're pro-choice when it comes to masks, Right? So by labeling them pro-choice, they're, they're trying to create a narrative that, well, who isn't for choice? Are you anti-choice? Well, no one wants to be anti-choice. We live in the freest country on the planet. You want to be able to make your choices. Now, when it comes to wearing a seatbelt, when it comes to texting and driving, when it comes to smoking in certain buildings, apparently, it's okay to be anti-choice because you don't have a choice in those matters. You'll get a fine or a ticket, be arrested. And so we're at this weird place where not only do the abortion lobby change the narrative, but the media supports them in that. So the media will then say, instead of saying it's a heartbeat bill, we're going to be saying it's a cardiac, fetal cardiac activity. It's not a heartbeat. Because it's not, there's not a heartbeat that early. We're going to call it cardiac activity, which currently right now my heart is beating. And so that's cardiac activity, but we're going to, we're going to try to dehumanize these babies as best we can. So we're not going to call it a baby. We're going to, we're going to say cardiac activity instead of heartbeat. We're going to call abortion supporters pro-choicers. And we're going to call those that are against abortion, we're going to call them anti-abortion activists. You see, because when you call somebody anti-something, it just sounds bad. Oh, well, they're they're against it. They're against women's rights, anti-women's rights. They'll call it that as well. And so if you can shape the media and you can shape the narrative through the media, that makes a difference. But the interesting thing is, even though they have the media in their back pocket and they currently have the White House in their back pocket, the polls still don't support them. They just don't. You know, there, there's recent news out about... Uh, NIH and gain of function research. And all the talks have been about gain of function research when it comes to coronavirus uh coronaviruses and bats and and animals and and all of these things. And we're starting to see more and more info come out about what gain of function research is and what it does to animals And, and there's a lot of people up in arms about how we're treating some animals in research and rightly so we we probably should be concerned about that and there should be some accountability in that but it, but if you if you lay out or show a video of what an abortion is you're a hateful person how dare you bring that up you're just wanting to cause harm but shouldn't we be aware of what's happening Shouldn't we be aware of what that procedure is? Shouldn't we be aware of what those pills do? Shouldn't we be aware of what a surgical abortion is? I mean, I would I would think you should be aware of it. Because if you're going to scream that abortion is a right and it's a women's right and it's a right that we will stand for no matter what, if you're going to say that, then you should be able to watch the procedure and say, I'm okay with this. I have no problem with this. Because I'm for abortion. That's what you should be able to say. If you're for abortion no matter what, then you should be able to play the video on national television in prime time on the news that the president himself should should call a press conference now and say, I'm against the law in Texas, and here's a video of what an abortion is, and this is what I stand for. No, they're not going to do that. Why won't they do that? Because they'll look like monsters. That's why. They'll look like monsters. That's why they're changing the narrative. That's why they're saying things like, okay, how can we dehumanize the fetus? How can we make people think we're not talking about lives here? How can we make people think we're not talking about babies oh, we'll use fetal act or cardiac activity. We'll, we'll use this terminology that, that makes us more comfortable and, and makes us not look like monsters. But I digress. Out of Kentucky, a Republican lawmakers have outlined their next round of abortion legislation, uh, previewing efforts to strengthen parental consent standards for minors seeking the procedure and create greater oversight of medication-induced abortions. Uh, GOP Representative Nancy Tate told a legislative panel that the measure is still being crafted for introduction in the General Assembly session starting in January. She described broad goals of the measure while speaking alongside anti-abortion activists. Abortion rights advocates said the measure would lead to greater government intrusion into family relationships. The bill would worsen situation for teens who fear divulging their pregnancies to their families because they have already dealt with abuse at home, they said. The measure would continue aggressive efforts by Kentucky lawmakers to put restrictions on conditions and conditions on abortion since Republicans assumed total control of the General Assembly after the 2016 election. Several of the measures have been challenged in court, including a 2018 law to block a second trimester procedure to end pregnancies. Kentucky Attorney General Daniel Cameron has asked the Supreme Court to let him defend that law, which was struck down by lower courts. Tightening parental consent standards is one priority of the new measure, Tate said Wednesday. Quote, it's very important for us to make sure that these children have the parental consent before they make such a life-altering decision, end quote, she told the committee. You know, in the schools, we don't even want our children taking aspirin without their parental consent. And that's true. Look, folks, your kids can't go on a field trip without parental consent. Like, if they're going to take a field trip to a fall festival or to a corn maze, you have to sign a document. If they want a tattoo, you have to sign a document. Let me let you into my world. When I was 15, I got my ear pierced. Guess what? A parent had to sign a document because I had to have parental consent. If you want to ride home with another family, you have to have a parental consent. But in today's progressive society, if you want to transition and you need testosterone, you don't have to have parental consent. If you want to go get an abortion, you don't need parental consent. You're you're a woman. You can make that decision for yourself. Have we lost our minds? Nothing makes sense. Nothing makes sense anymore. We'll be back. So when it comes to parental consent, we we ask parental consent on a lot of things. But for some reason, when it comes to abortion, yeah, we should just let them decide and do it themselves. A decision that's going to change their life forever. Yeah, they don't need parental consent. Now, they would argue, well, what about the kids that are in abusive families? Folks, vast majority of folks that are getting abortions, that's not the case for them. It's just not. But now what I want to do is look over at uh, the justices of the Supreme Court and their views on abortion. This is over at AP and I think, I think it's important. Uh, so let's start with Chief Justice John Roberts. Roberts voted to uphold restrictions in two major abortion cases in the majority in 2007 to uphold a ban on a method of abortion opponents called partial birth abortion. And in dissent in 2016 when the court struck down Texas restrictions on abortion clinics in a case called Whole Women's Health. But when a virtually identical law from Louisiana came before the court in 2020, Roberts voted against it and wrote the opinion controlling the outcome of the case and striking down the Louisiana law. The chief justice said he continues to believe that the 2016 case was wrongly decided, but that the question was whether to adhere to it in deciding the present case. Roberts' views on when to break with court precedent could determine how far he is willing to go in the Mississippi case. Um, and then let's look at Clarence Thomas. Uh, Thomas voted to overturn Roe in 1992 in his first term on the court when he was dissenter in Planned Parenthood versus Casey. He has repeatedly called for Roe and Casey to be overturned since. In 2000, he wrote in dissent when the court struck down Nebraska's ban on bar- partial birth abortion. Recounting the court's decision in Roe, he wrote, In 1973, this court struck down an act of the Texas legislature that had been in effect since 1857, thereby rendering unconstitutional abortion statutes in dozens of estates. As some of my colleagues on the court, past and present, uh, demonstrated, that decision was grievously wrong. Abortion is a unique act in which a woman's exercise of control over her own body ends, depending on one's view, human life, or potential human life. Nothing in our federal constitution deprives the people of this country of the right to determine whether the consequences of abortion to the fetus and to society outweigh the burden of an unwanted pregnancy on the mother. Although a state may permit abortion, nothing in the Constitution dictates that a state must do so. Justice Stephen Breyer. Breyer has been the lead author of two court majorities in defense of abortion rights in 2000 and 2016. He's never voted to sustain an abortion restriction, but he's acknowledged the controversy over abortion. Millions of Americans believe that abortion is akin to causing the death of an innocent child, while millions of others fear that a law that forbids abortion would condemn many American women to lives that lack dignity. He wrote in Nebraska case twenty one years ago, calling those views virtually irreconcilable. Still, Breyer wrote, Because the Constitution guarantees fundamental individual liberty and has to govern even when they are strong divisions in the country, this court in the course of generation has determined and then redetermined that the Constitution offers basic protection to the women's right to choose. Notice that he's what he's not saying. The Constitution in his mind does not protect unborn children. Although we have laws in the books that say if a, if a woman crosses the border and has her baby in America, that baby is a citizen. Right? We have, we have pregnant women looking to get here, to get on the shores of America so that their baby will be a citizen. If it's just a blob, why are we given citizenship? Because we know what it is. That's why. Justice Alito, Alito has a strong track record of votes and writings opposing abortion rights as a jurist and, earlier, a government lawyer. Alito has voted to uphold every abortion law the court has considered since his 2006 confirmation, joining a majority to uphold the federal partial birth abortion law and dissenting into 2016 and 2020 cases. As a federal appeals court judge, he voted to uphold a series of Pennsylvania abortion restrictions, including requiring a woman to notify her spouse before obtaining an abortion. The Supreme Court ultimately struck down the notification rule in Casey and reaffirmed the abortion right in 92 by 5-4 vote. Working for the Reagan administration in 1985, Alito wrote in a memo that the government should say publicly in a pending abortion case that we disagree with Roe v. Wade. Around the same time applying for a promotion, Alito noted he was particularly proud of his work arguing that the Constitution does not protect a right to abortion. So it's pretty clear where his vote will lie. Justice Sotomayor uh, she joined the court in 2009 with virtually no record on abortion issues, but has voted repeatedly in favor of abortion rights since then. Recently, when the court allowed uh, the Texas law to take effect, Sotomayor accused her colleagues of burying their heads in the sand. She was in the majority in the Texas and Louisiana abortion clinic cases. Uh, she dis, Her displeasure with the court's recent Texas ruling was evident at a recent virtual appearance she made. She said, I can't change Texas, but you can, she said. Justice Kagan Kagan also has repeatedly voted in favor of abortion rights in more than 11 years as a justice. She is also arguably the most consistent voice on the court, arguing for the importance of adhering to procedures or precedents and can be expected to try to persuade her colleagues not to jettison constitutional protections for abortion. Kagan was in the majority when the court struck down the Texas and Louisiana restrictions on abortion clinics. More recently, Kagan called Texas' new abortion law patently unconstitutional and a clear and indeed undisputed conflict with Roe. And Casey, Justice Neil Gorsuch, Gorsuch, he has perhaps the shortest record on abortion among the nine justices. He was in the majority, allowing Texas restrictive abortion law to take effect. In dissent in 2020, he would have upheld Louisiana's abortion clinic restrictions. As an appeals court judge before joining the Supreme Court in 2017, Gorsuch dissented when his colleagues declined to render reconsider a ruling that blocked then-Utah Governor Gary Herbert from cutting off funding for the state branch of Planned Parenthood. He insisted at a Senate confirmation hearing that he was concerned about procedural issues, not the subject matter. He said this: "I do not care if the case is about abortion or widgets or anything else." He said. Justice Kavanaugh. Kavanaugh's name was added to former President Donald Trump's shortlist of Supreme Court candidates shortly after he sided with the administration in a 2017 case involving abortion. Trump chose him for the court the following year. As a justice, Kavanaugh dissented from the Louisiana decision and voted to allow the new Texas law to take effect. Though he has taken a less absolutist stance than some of his conservative colleagues, in the Louisiana case, for example, he wrote that more information was needed about how the state's restrictions on clinics would affect doctors who provide abortions and seem to suggest his vote could change knowing that information. Kavanaugh's most extensive writing on abortion came while he was a judge on the federal appeals court in Washington. The Trump administration had appealed a lower court ruling ordering it to allow a pregnant 17-year-old immigrant in its custody to get an abortion. The administration's policy was declined to help those minors get abortions while in custody. Kavanaugh was on a three-judge panel that postponed the abortion, arguing that officials should be given a limited window to transfer the minor out of government custody to the care of a sponsor. She could then obtain an abortion without the government's assistance. The full court of appeals later reversed the decision and the teenager obtained an abortion. Kavanaugh called that decision out of step with the many majority opinions of the Supreme Court that have repeatedly upheld reasonable Regulations that do not impose an undue burden on the abortion rights recognized by the Supreme Court in Roe v. Wade. Justice Amy Coney Barrett. Barrett's one public vote on the Supreme Court concerning abortion was to allow the Texas law to take effect. She also cast two votes as an appeals court judge to reconsider rulings that blocked Indiana abortion restrictions. In 2016, shortly before the election that would put Trump in office, she commented about how she thought abortion law might change if Trump had the chance to appoint justices. She said, I don't think the CORE case, Rose CORE holding that, you know, women have a right to an abortion. I don't think that would change, said Barrett. Then a Notre Dame law professor, she said limits of what she called very late-term abortions and restrictions on abortion clinics would be more likely to be upheld. Barrett also has a long record of personal opposition to abortion rights, co-authoring a 98 Law Review article that said abortion is always immoral. At her 2017 hearing to be an appeals court judge, Barrett said in written testimony, If I'm confirmed, my views on this or any other question will have no bearing on the discharge of my duties as judge. And that is the rundown of where the justices are. Now, anything could happen with the Mississippi case. Anything could happen with the Texas case. You know, I I think I have a feeling where it's going to go. I think it may come down to Kavanaugh. Uh, I think... I think we have the votes. I really do. I think uh, I think Roberts, Justice Roberts, likes to be on the winning team. And so if he sees the writing on the wall that they're going to overturn Roe, then he may throw his support to the conservatives. If he thinks it's going to be, you know, seven in the affirmative, then he may go, yeah, I want to do that, too. I want to be part of that. If it's going to be determined by one vote, Roberts would love to be the one vote uh, that— that made the determination. He likes to be in the spotlight. So we'll see. I, I'm hoping that they make the right decision. I'm hoping they go in the right direction. Uh, this is why when when presidential elections happen and they say, hey, vote for this person because of the Supreme Court, in years past that really hasn't made a difference. This could and say what you want to about President Trump, but if if this court overturns Roe, or at the very least gives a path to overturning Roe, Trump's legacy when it comes to life issues and abortion issues will be cemented. Not just because of the Supreme Court, but because of the federal courts across the country and the appointments that were made. This this is big. And so the question is, will Gorsuch, Kavanaugh, and Barrett, Clarence Thomas, Roberts, Alito? I mean, I think we know where Sotomayor is going to go. We know where Kagan is going to go. We have a pretty good idea of where Roberts may go. Clarence Thomas is 100% going to vote in favor of the Mississippi case. Alito, I think 100% is going to vote in favor. I'm pretty confident Gorsage will. I'm pretty confident Barrett will. That's that. What's that? Four. Kavanaugh could be the fifth. I don't know. And if you get Roberts, you got it at six. We'll see. We'll see what happens. I'm not, I'm not sure. I feel good about it. I'll say that. feel good about it. feel good about where we are. Uh, so we'll see what happens. They're going to be hearing that case. They're going to be hearing the Texas case November 1st and the Mississippi case, I believe, December one. So we won't know the rulings. We won't know the findings until later. But they're going to hear those cases uh, November 1, December 1. Should be interesting. We'll talk more when we come back. <laughs> So as we finish up today, hopefully you've learned something. Hopefully this has been a fruitful conversation. Uh, I always hope for that. Sometimes, sometimes it is. Sometimes it's not. I don't know. Sometimes you may listen and go, "That was a waste of my time." Hopefully not. But um, we are, you know, we continue to plug away at, at what's going on. Try, I try my best to keep you updated on what's happening, not just here in the state of Tennessee, but across the country. I know we've spent a lot of time over the last few weeks talking about Texas and Mississippi, but Look, those are the those are the things that are happening in the the near future. And so that's what we're going to talk about. Next week I'll probably talk about Texas again because Supreme Court's going to be hearing uh some some of the arguments on November 1st. So we'll see what happens. Uh if you want to learn more about the work that we're doing at Hope Resource Center, you can at investinghope.com. Uh, patients are being served, women are being loved, babies are being saved, all because of your support. If you want to support us, go to investinghope.com, click the, the Donate button. We would greatly appreciate that. And uh, and you can learn all about what we're doing there. Uh, again, I, I said at the first of the show that I was in Alabama this past week with, with another pregnancy center. I have a meeting this week with another director of a center here in Tennessee. Look, there's so much going on around this country for life. That uh I just don't think people are aware of, and and we need to be aware of what's happening in our in our backyard and, and around the country when it comes to serving women in need facing unplanned pregnancies. And so I want you to know that if you feel like those moments are uh, where uh, you know I just wish more was being done, or I wish there was more places like Hope Resource Center. Look, oh, there's close to three thousand places like Hope Re- Resource Center all across the country and they are finding support and and they have partners in their communities uh with with doctors and with with individuals and with churches and businesses and uh and you need to know that, that that we're not alone in this work there are people in this country you know if you watch the news and and get on social media maybe you think wow everybody's around me everybody around me is pro abortion that's not the case it's just not I mean, let's be honest. Most people never give two thoughts toward abortion. They don't. They're thinking about getting their kids to school. What's for lunch today? Getting to work, getting to the weekend. When am I going to get to go out on the boat? When can I go fishing? When can I, you know, when can I go hunt? All these things. They're not, abortion's not crossing their mind. I think about abortion at least once a day, oftentimes more, but the vast majority of the populace, they're not, that's not them. And so if you find yourself feeling as if you're alone and, and everyone's against you and everyone's pro abortion, it's just not true. Don't believe that lie. Cause that's what it is. It's a lie. There are some, certainly. And there are some that are louder than others. And the media is going to want to paint it a certain way and the, the administration is going to want to paint it in a certain way. But, but talk to your neighbors. I think you'll be pleasantly surprised. We, we got enough on our plate. Uh, as, as a society and as a country, and, and I, I feel like I say this every week, but we can get bogged down in the things that are happening, whether it be inflation or gas prices or unemployment or do I get the vaccine or not? Do I wear a mask or not? Do I send my kid to school or not? Like we, we have a lot to, to, to carry. And it's not easy. I get that. So allow yourself some deep breaths. Allow yourself some, some time to rest. Some time to turn the social media off. Some time to turn the TV off. To put your phone down. To be present with people in your life. You know, just be present. Sometimes that means talking. Sometimes that just means sitting by somebody. Not saying a word. But it's so easy to get worked up on all the things that are happening. And yeah, there's a lot to be worked up about. But so much of that is out of our control. So, so what are we doing to be better neighbors? What are we doing to be better, uh, church members, to be better gospel people, to be, to be better coworkers, to be better leaders, to be better parents, to be better spouses? To be better friends. What are, what are we doing in those areas? So give that some thought. You know, as, as you as you as we see October inching to a close, 2021 has two more months left. How are you going to finish this year out? Angry or loving your neighbor better? Being an angry spouse or being a better spouse? Being an angry parent or a better parent? I can't control that. That's up to you. Let's make the right choices, all right? We'll talk to you next week.